tonight. I believe that the Lord will speak to us and I want to encourage us to, to open our hearts to what the Lord has for us. I want us to start from Psalm chapter 1. Let's read the old chapter verses 1 to 6. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the path of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful or the mockers. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law he meditates day and night. He shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that brings forth its fruit in its season, whose leaf also shall not wither, and whatever he does shall prosper. The ungodly are not so, but are like the chaff which the wind drives away. Therefore, the ungodly shall not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the ungodly shall perish. From that scripture, we, we can see um, a comparison with, between two sets of people or two types of people, the godly man and the ungodly man. And um, before we come back to Psalms chapter 1, I want us to go to Ephesians chapter 4 verse 17. That's where Paul was talking to the Ephesians and telling them not to walk like the Gentiles walk according to the vanity of their minds. Ephesians chapter 4 verse 17. This I say therefore and testify in the Lord that you should no longer walk as the rest of the Gentiles walk in the futility of their mind having their understanding darkened, being separated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them, because of the blindness of their hearts, who being fast, fast feeling have given themselves over to lewdness to walk all uncleanness with greediness. In my mind, I can see, I can see a connection between Ephesians four seventeen to twenty, and even if we read further down to, to like twenty three. Um, okay, let's read to up to twenty three. But you have not so learned Christ, if indeed you have heard him, and have been taught by him, as the truth is in Jesus, that you put off concerning your former conduct the old man which grows corrupt according to the deceitful lust and be renewed in the spirit of your mind that you put on and that you put on the new man which was created according to God in true righteousness and holiness. Hallelujah. So here Apostle Paul was speaking to believers in Ephesians and he was telling them to not walk like the Gentiles walk. They shouldn't live like the Gentiles live according to the vanity or the futility of their minds. Because those ones walk the way they walk because they have their understanding darkened and they have been separated. So they don't have the type of life you have. You cannot live the kind of life they live. Hallelujah. And that was an instruction to believers. That means it is possible to, to have received the life of God. It is possible to be born again and still walk and still live like unbelievers. Hallelujah. Live in such a way that their goals, you are driven by their goals. You, you have the same mentality. Why? Because the latter verses of that scripture says that we should be renewed in the spirit of your mind. So as long as the mind remains unrenewed, the believer would walk like the unbeliever and we will not be able to differentiate. Hallelujah. They said, ye are gods. 
to whom the word of the Lord has come. You are God, but you shall die like mere men. So um, there, there, are, there are privileges or there are advantages attached to belonging to the Lord. Attached to being the Lord's, right? But if you're not taking, you're not laying hold, or if you're not cultivating that advantage, that advantage, or cultivating that life, you will die like a natural man, like mere men. Hallelujah. So he said, ensure that you don't walk like that. Ensure that you don't walk like that. Your desires, your goals, your aspirations, your drive cannot be the same. Why? Because you have a different life in you. These other guys are separated from the life of God. You are joined. You are one spirit with the Lord. Hallelujah. Let's go back to, to Psalm chapter 1. Psalm 1. David was speaking and he said, Blessed is the man. But this is not just any man. This is a believer. Hallelujah. And you see, the word blessed here, it sounds passive, but it's not a passive word. It's an active, intensive word. It's, it's, it's an exclamation. Like, in fact, it should read, Oh, the blessedness of the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly. Or, wow, the blessings of the man. And the word blessed is plural. is the plural noun. So it's, oh, the blessings of the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, who stands not in the way of sinners, who sits not in the seats of the of discomfort. It's like the word that Apostle Paul would use in the New Testament saying, grace and peace be multiplied. So it's multiplication of blessings. And I've, I've been trying to search for how to define blessings. I have come short because I, I would say English language fails me to describe the word blessing. Why? Because I'm, I'm, I, want to, I want us to see it in, in a different perspective tonight because that word has also been abused. So it is important that we have an accurate definition when we are talking blessing. So, um, somebody is not sitting and thinking uh, prosperity. Yes, prosperity. Right? But much more. Much more. Grace is blessing. Peace is blessing. Truth is blessing. Light is blessing. I'm just giving us things. I can't even describe what that word is. But oh, the blessedness. Um, some verses say, oh, the happiness. I, I feel happiness is too light a word. You know, it's, it's too light. Maybe we can say, oh, the joy. Oh, the fulfillment. Oh, the contentment. Blessed, fortunate, prosperous, favored by God. Yes, but still much more. Still much more. All the blessings of this believer. You see, again, he's talking to, to believers and he's saying it is still possible that a believer will walk in the way and the counsel of the ungodly. It is possible that a believer would stand in the way of sinners and would sit in the seat of discomfort. We see that a lot. We see a lot of scornful or scorners talk about mockers. They mock the truth. They mock the gospel. They mock believers. They mock your experiences in God. They play it down. They, they, they talk against it. They because they don't see the things you see they don't place the same premium hallelujah so blessed all oh, the blessings of the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly so even the ungodly has counsels the ungodly has counsels and before we think too far 
the ungodly here alone does not also refer to unbelievers alone. Right? It could be you because there is, there is an unregenerated part of you that can bring ungodly counsel. Praise God. Ungodly counsels can proceed from your mind, can proceed from your heart, the unregenerated part of your soul. So there are impulses. There are belief system. There are decisions. There are opinions emanating from that place that the believer cannot walk by. So this man does not walk according to the counsel of the ungodly. He does not stand in the path of sinners, nor sit in the seat seat of this cup. And I see a progression. I see a progression from walking to standing. Now you are, you are becoming more comfortable. Then at a point, you could carry chair. And you know, you now balance well. It's, it's a progression because uh, these things don't happen in one day. One of the things that we have emphasized in this house is the fact that when you are not cultivating the spirit of life in Christ Jesus, automatically you are activating the law of sin and death. It will catch up. Praise God. So it looks to me like this is a deliberate man. It looks to me like this is a man who, who is in charge of, of his environment, in charge of the events in his life. And when I say in charge, I'm not saying that I'm not saying outside of God. I'm saying he's deliberate about his work. So that man will not walk. He has made a decision. He has taken a position that he will not walk in the counsel of the ungodly. He will not stand in the path of sinners. He will not sit in the seat of the scornful. This man by virtue of his walk with God, by, by virtue of intimacy and fellowship, he can discern counsel. He can discern ungodly counsel. Opinions can come and that, no, 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 no. This one, this one, this is not wisdom from above. Praise God. Counsels positions and he can say that no this did not come from the Lord how did he arrive in that place he said he does not stand in the path of sinners path speaks of direction it speaks of a way in verse 6 of that place it says the way of the ungodly shall perish so there is a way of the ungodly there is a, there is a lifestyle of the ungodly there is a pattern of life. There is a, a mentality. There is a mindset of the ungodly. There is a behavior. There is a hope of the ungodly that does not transcend beyond this world. But this man does not walk like that. How did he arrive in not being able to walk? Verse 2. He says, is the light. Is what? Is the light. Is in the law of the Lord. And in his law, he meditates day and night. I like the word day and night because he did not say morning and night or morning and evening. Day and night. The day is separated into two parts. Day, night. So in his law, he meditates continually. In his law, he meditates all the time. The word, this guy has so much filled his heart with the word that the only thing the heart thinks upon is the word. I, again, that's, that's an emphasis of this house. In, when I saw this, I, I remembered the, the teaching on the tabernacle um, some months ago. And one of, one of the important 
will I call it article of one of the important um, stuff that we looked at in the tabernacle is the table of showbread. And scripture says that on that table they put seven um, show, sorry, twelve showbread according to the number of the tribe of Israel. But the significant thing about that bread is the fact that it must be baked daily. So you can't you can't use yesterday's bread. God will come and slaughter him. Praise God. The bread must be fresh, baked daily. And that speaks to me about our commitment to the word. It has to be daily. There ha- See, we said the Lord's Prayer, give us this day our daily bread. It's not just rice and beans alone. It's not just hustle for money. It is also our sustenance in the spirit. Sufficient for each day is its evil thereof. Then, before you meet the evil day, you must, you must have bread for the day. You must have encountered the day before you, are, before you enter and step into the day. Because the, the day is, is, is as its own evil. But you have, you have obtained good from the Lord that you are able to confront the day. The bread must be baked daily. That speaks of, of intense commitment to the world and discipline. So the delight is the light is in the Lord. The, the word delight speaks about pleasures, speaks about desires, it speaks about satisfaction. Its pleasure is in the law of the Lord. Are we people? deriving pleasure from the world do we do we find it pleasurable because the truth is what you find pleasurable you would not be forced to do it you will you would naturally gravitate towards what you find pleasurable for example i love to watch football and i can't wait for the season to start and when the season starts i'm likely to know the timetable at least not all but at least okay uh, so so person is so so person pleasure no, no i don't need to go and start i don't need to go and study i don't need to force my it comes naturally because there is there is a soulish inclination towards that the same applies to the things we love we are not forced to do them so we must we must derive joy and we must de- we must develop our love for the world and we can develop it one of the words translated delight in this scripture in the Hebrew also means um, to bend towards God. To bend towards God. So it tells me that that man is, is it has become his natural inclination to turn to the Lord. To incline, he said Proverbs, we see it a lot, I I mean, several verses in, in, in the book of Proverbs. He said, I will incline my ears. Incline. To incline your ear means to fine tune. I will set it. I will position it so that I can hear what he wants to say. He said, my son, incline your ears to my sin. Fine tune it. Position it so that you can hear. It's like you are, you are in a place with radio waves. You need to set, set it so that you can hear the frequency. So maybe it's 92.3 FM inspiration, 99.3 classic FM. But the, the one you want to hear, you tune the station. You can tune your ears. So he, this man naturally gravitates towards the Lord. His inclination is towards God. Towards the word. His delight is in the law of the Lord. And in his law, he meditates day and night. He thinks upon the world. And you see, I know there's a lot of new age um, teachings that talks about meditation. Not just new age alone, even yoga. They will tell When they are talking of meditation, they talk of meditation in the sense that um, you just need to focus, empty your mind, you are not thinking. Do you understand those soulish activities? But 
for us, when scripture talks about meditation, it is not about emptying your mind and not thinking. It is about filling your mind. Meditation is the process of the renewal of your mind. So you are filling your mind with God's word. You are filling it. You know, the way you feel something, press down, shaking together. Hallelujah. So it's not just emptying your mind, it is filling the mind with the word of God. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2, by the message of the Lord that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, only and acceptable unto God, for this is your reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. That's what scripture is telling us. Be not conformed. That's what Psalm, Psalm 1 1 is saying. The man is not conforming to the way of sinners, conforming to, uh, to the scorners, uh, scorners, yeah, to the mockers. He's not sitting in the seat of discomfort. The man is not conforming, but as the man delights in the law of the Lord, that man is conforming to the Lord because he's renewing his mind by the word of the Lord. Be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed. Transformation is happening. Change is going on by virtue of the renewal of the mind. So this man meditates upon the word day and night to bring about change, to bring about transformation. Pastor T has told us many times that if, if she sees an area where she's struggling, what does she do? She, she goes to look for all the scripture that talks about that thing and reads and reads and reads until the and that is the secret that's the commitment we must give that is how change and transformation happens he meditates on the world so we meditate we fill our heart we fill our mind with the word with the word as we fill our mind with the word the junks that we have taken from the world by virtue of you know our our engagement in the flesh and you know our natural life before we came to Christ and even after the the unregenerated portion will begin to give with the Lord will will begin to have more room in that way we also become more sensitive we we will see change happening we will see change happening the soul must feed on the world. So it is not just enough to read. It is good to read, right? He said, blessed are those who read, you know, the, the word of, of this um, testimony. So it is, we are, you are blessed by reading. You are blessed by hearing. But we must also take it two steps further. First step, the step of meditation. Feeling it deliberately. Pastor causes secondary illumination. Then the second step after that is obedience. Because it is not just the hearers that are blessed, it is the doers of the world. And when you are taking steps in obedience, that is when you are changing. That is the proof of the word that you have received the word. When you are able to take steps in obedience. So anybody can listen. But James told us that some people listened. They is like they just looked at themselves in the mirror and they went away and didn't do anything about it. He said it's like a woman that builds his face in the mirror and goes away without doing anything. And that's what happens when we hear the word and don't practice the word. But this man, he says, he meditates on the word day and night trying to digest the word. Meditation aids digestion. And we're able to take it in. His delight is in the law of the Lord and in his law he meditates day and night. Verse 3. He said that man, the man who does this, he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water. And this is actually the verse that I think triggered um, this message. And um, we're going to look at 
we're going to look at this concept of tree planted by the rivers of water from two scriptures and then would would close he said this man shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that brings forth its fruit in its season so it doesn't matter that this tree does not bring forth fruit all the time but in its when it is its season it will bring forth fruit hallelujah whose leaf also shall not wither and whatsoever he does shall prosper the leaf of that tree will not wither it would bring forth fruit when it's supposed to bring forth fruit so it will not just be like the fig tree that has fresh leaves without fruit in the season of figs praise god it shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water how did that man become a tree verse 1 and verse 2 he was not conforming to the world he took a decision not to conform not to live according to the counsel of the ungodly to stand in the in the way of sinners and to sit in the seat of discomfort rather he took another decision to delight himself in the world and because he delighted himself in the world and meditates upon it day and night he becomes a tree it becomes like a tree what are what are the features or what is significant about a tree planted by the riverside he said they bring forth fruit in it you know lagos lagos has done us so much bad many i'm sure there are some of us here that have not seen that have not really seen a tree by the riverside when you see a tree by the riverside honestly those of us who grew up, grew up in villages and and went to farm farm very well you see some trees i've seen trees that you are trying to cut this tree you have burnt it my father had you know um many farms so sometimes when you when it's a new planting season and you want to cultivate a new area of the farm because the place you cultivated last year you have to maybe you've cultivated a particular piece of land probably say three four years in a row the nutrient would have diminished so you leave it to follow maybe for like a year or two so you move to another part that you left you know and all of that so one of the things we do or we used to do would call is is um the people who, who worked for him they would clear the clear that piece of land burn the grass and all of those things the trees some trees just don't die you wonder why they've grown roots deep roots not just deep down extends so you see a tree that is here you can trace its roots to that toilet area the thing has it has tentacles so even though you have burnt it here the root that is at the gate is still sucking water somewhere the thing is not just that's the man planted by the rivers of water by the riverbed it would bring forth fruit in season his leaf shall not i want us to look at this man in jeremiah jeremiah chapter 17 so it's something similar to psalm 1 so we'll see it from verse 5 please 5 to 5 to 7 or 5 to 8 thus says the lord cost is the man who trust in man Cost is the man who trusts in man and makes flesh his strength, whose heart departs from the Lord. One of the places where one of the Psalms we took on Sunday, Psalm 118, verse 8 and 9 says, It is better to trust in the Lord than to put confidence in man. It is better to trust in the Lord than to put confidence in princes. Princes speak about um, people who, who have stature in the earth, right? Um, people of means, the noble, um, people you ordinarily think would be able to help you. 
Hallelujah. He said, but don't put your trust in those people. Put your trust in God. He said, cursed is the man who trusts in man. The word man here, actually, the first man is any man. The second man actually talks about princes, nobles, men of... Talks about warriors, people who have strength, natural strength, you know, in the flesh. You can people of means, people who, can, who have accomplished things. So he said, Cost is that man who trusts in this type of people and makes flesh his strength, makes flesh his confidence. And when we describe flesh, flesh can be many things. It can be, it can be that, you know. You're dependent on a man and all of that. It could also be that flesh could also be the things you have accomplished. Paul told us in Philippians chapter 3, we read, um, I think verses 1 to 8, he started, I think in verse 3, he said, We are the circumcision that worship God in the spirit, and we have no confidence in the flesh. And he said, if anybody has reason to have confidence in the flesh, even me more so, then he began to tell us his accomplishment, his qualifications in the flesh. But he said these things, I can't as dung, because I delight in the Lord, and my ultimate desire is to know him and be like him. He said, if for any reason I may apprehend the reason for which I am apprehended, I put all these things behind and press towards the mark of the eye calling in Christ not having confidence in the flesh and he was a man of stature in the flesh he had was yours was it on sunday or last thursday last wednesday that i think pastor pastor t was saying of that he had an equivalent of a law degree from Harvard, right and i i remember some years ago i read i was i was reading something about paul he actually had two degrees like having you know equivalent of having like two PhDs before before he was 30 he was brilliant he had all of those things confidence in the flesh he said if I if anybody has any reason to boast in the flesh me I get reason but he said none of these things compare to the excellency of knowing the Lord we must, that, we must come to that place. We must come to that place. Now, you see, God is not against our... Please get this right. God is not against our strength in the flesh. God is not against you accomplishing things. God is not against you achieving things. It just, God just wants that strength yielded and submitted to him. He can use that strength when he wants to use. He can leverage on that strength. But it should not be something that you boast in or gives you confidence. Your confidence must always be in God. When God was going to use one of the, one of the strength that Paul had in the flesh, he used it as a Roman citizen and appealed to Caesar. Why? Because it was in the plan and purpose of God for his life and his calling that he must get to Rome. Because the gospel was preached. If, if you understand the, the type of what the world was at that time, under the Roman Empire, um, the emperors and all of that, it's, it's unbelievable. Praise God. It says, cost is the man who trusts in man and makes flesh his strength. First Peter chapter 1, 22 to 25. And I think Isaiah chapter 46 to it says, All flesh is grass. And the glory of what? The glory of man like the flower that fades away. It's here today, tomorrow more. That is the reason why you cannot trust flesh. All flesh is grass. Temporal. Weak. No matter how sturdy, no matter how strong it looks, 
in the flesh or naturally in the spirit before the high view in the high view of God flesh today is tomorrow no more remember that man that rich fool that trusted in his harvest he said now my farm has brought up brought forth bountifully it is time for me to relax and be taken care of and enjoy God came to him he said thou fool this night flesh this night your soul is demanded you want you want to put you can imagine that man's son or cousin ah my uncle has promised me haha <laughs> oh sure what's your shock there's nothing that guy is standing on toilet tissue standing on nothing that's confidence in the flesh it's built on nothing on grass all flesh let's see from verse 22 seeing that you have been purifying your souls in obeying the truth through the spirit and sincere love of the brethren, love one another fervently with a pure heart. Having been born again, or being born again, not of a corruptible seed, but incorruptible, through the word of God, which lives and abides forever. You can see what abides forever. Because all flesh is as grass. I think the Isaiah version actually says, all flesh is grass, and all the glory of man as the flower of the grass the grass withers and its flowers fall away but the word of the lord endures forever now this is the word which by the gospel was preached to you you can imagine what will happen to a man meditating and filling his heart with the word that abides forever that man will abide forever hallelujah praise god the world abides if you want to endure and you want to last that's the secret let's go back to jeremiah 17 so cost is the man who trusts in man and makes flesh his strength and because this man makes flesh his strength his heart departs from the lord his heart is distracted from the Lord. You see this flesh thing? Let me put it in another way so that we can see how subtle and how easy it is to trust in flesh. Do you know that if you're a medical doctor or a nurse, it is difficult to trust God for healing? Why? Because you know what to do. And that is absolutely fine, right? But you see that knowledge. If you, if you are not careful, conscious, and deliberate, that knowledge can work against faith. Do you understand what I'm saying? That knowledge, it is good and it is God-given. That knowledge of medicine. Because you, oh, you have a dick. Ah, take paracetamol. Oh, is a typhoid. Take this. Uh, is this one is malaria you just know what to, and that's perfectly okay in the natural but if you are not careful that knowledge that that knowledge you acquired can work can work against faith faith in the as you can have faith in, you know we have faith for different things you there are th there are i'm sure there are people who got healing they've they've acted but in another thing like this, Omar, they, they are like reed shaking. And you'll be wondering, ah, is it not you that... Yeah, there's work that needs to be done. Do you understand? And what does that person need to do? Feed. Feed that aspect so that it can also grow to the other, like the other aspect, you know, that, 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 it, that is strong here. So, the heart can be distracted from faith, from God positions, who's at the path, because that man is trusting in his knowledge of medicine. 
his heart can depart in terms of faith for healing. I, I hope you get that little analogy. So, because this man is trusting in flesh, his heart departs from the Lord. Verse 6. For he shall be like a shrub in the desert. The word shrub was also translated naked, destitute, without covering. That's the man trusting in flesh. That man is without covering, is without strength, destitute, and shall not see when good comes, but shall inhabit the past places in the wilderness, in a salt land which is not inhabited. This is a cause. Verse 7. Blessed again. Oh, the blessings. Oh, the blessedness of the man who trusts in the Lord and whose hope is the Lord. The man who trusts in the Lord and whose hope is the Lord. Verse 8. For it shall be like a tree planted by the waters which spreads out its roots by the river and will not fear when it comes. So it will come. The tree planted by the river goes through all the seasons. Summer, autumn, winter, spring, dry season, rainy season, amatan, everything. But it's not bothered when heat comes. And in this case, it can be anything. It also speaks of the season of drought. But it's not bothered because it's planted by the rivers of water. It's planted. It's growing roots. Root is growing. This man will not fear when difficult times come. In difficult times, his leaves will be green. It will not be anxious in the year of drought. In farming. Like Nigeria is farming all of us now. <laughs> Hallelujah. Praise God. I was telling Pastor Dabi how much fuel I bought last month. I won't say it publicly. And income has not increased. And the price of everything is just pew, 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 pew. And I was telling my IBS yesterday night, I was it this morning, that I think we need to cut off this particular expense. Do you understand? It's, it's wise to manage you know, our finances and, and plan well, and that's the wise thing to do. Unnecessary expenses, by all means, cut them off, right? But this man will not be anxious. When you are caught, you are not cutting off out of anxiety or fear of ah, you are just doing the wise thing, right? And I was telling him, I think I can't remember, I think it was Gabriel I told when the the issue of um, fuel subsidy, FX, everything, and we inflation is 22 point, I think 0.4, and all of that. And I said, we won't pay attention to this thing. In fact, God gave me a word that, that time. And that's the word that I'm using to... It's for me. <laughs> it's for me. <laughs> you know, and I told him that, you see, it really doesn't matter what happens. If we are trusting in God, the things we didn't do when things were cheaper and easier, we will do them now. We will do them now. We will do them now. Because the Lord will provide. And that's the position we must take. You want to hear the word God? See me after service with, with seed. <laughs> Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Wow. It will not be anxious in the year of growth, nor will cease from yielding fruit. Even in the season of drought, this guy will yield fruit. What type of fruit do you think this man can, can, can give in the season of drought? 
Patience is a fruit. Long suffering, endurance, fruit. It will be a fruit in the season of drought. All year round, this guy is prosperous. That's why scripture says in Psalm 1, whatever he does, he will prosper. And that prosper is not just, he's not making money. He's advancing in the will of God. He's advancing in the purposes of God. The, the will of God is prospering in his heart and in his life. He's on course in divine purpose. He's prospering. It will not cease from yielding fruit. And you know when we talk of trees, trees are quite interesting. Okay, let's, still talking on trees, let's quickly go to Ezekiel chapter 31. I hope I can tie all these things up. Ezekiel 31. Let's quickly read from 3, verses 3 to 9. Because I want to talk about trees, like part of what we've been saying. Indeed, Assyria was a cedar in Lebanon, with fine now this is a description of a tree with fine branches that shaded the forest and of high stature and its top was among the thick boughs the waters made it grow you can see that tree again right the cedars of Lebanon. what made it grow the water the tree planted where by the water ezekiel saw water flowing from where from the threshold of the temple and the trees Ezekiel 47, read it. The waters made it grow. Underground waters did what? Gave it height. With their rivers running around the place where it was planted and sent out rivulets to haul the trees of the field. Therefore, its height was exalted above all the trees of the field. Its bows were multiplied and its branches became long because of what? The abundance of water. Abundance of the word. Because the word is water. Sanctify them by their truth. Thy word is truth. It would cleanse them by the cleansing of water by the word. Abundance of water as it sent them out. Verse 6. All the birds of the heavens made their nest in its boughs. Under its branches, all the beasts of the field brought forth their young. And in its shadow, all great nations made their home. Thus, it was beautiful in greatness and the length of its branches because its root reached to abundant waters. Verse 8. The cedars and the garden of God could not hide it. The fair trees were not like his boughs, and the chestnut trees were not like its branches. No, the tree in the garden of God was like it in beauty. What's in verse 9? I made it beautiful. This is God speaking. So that all the trees of Eden envied it that were in the garden of God. That's the description of a man. Because when, when, when God was describing us, he described us in the same, he used the tree as an example of what we should be. What does a tree do? We saw it there. Gives shade. The best of the the best of the, the birds of the hair came to nest. The beast came the beast of the field came to came to um, take care of their young because it provided covering. That's the that's the that's the result, that's the fruit of the life of a man. Of the man we saw. In Psalm chapter 1. You can provide covering. You are a covering unto many. Moses was a covering for the children of Israel. He covered them. Even he covered them from the wrath of God. Hallelujah. You can be a covering for your family. For your extended family. You can be a covering for your friends. When we talk of trees, we are talking of stature, we are talking of height, we are talking of beauty, we are talking of stability. Isaiah chapter 32 verse 1, he also described another man, the kind of man that God wants us to be. He said, behold, a king will reign in righteousness and princes will rule with justice. Verse 2. 
a man will be like a hiding place from the wind that's a tree because trees are windbreakers trees can can reduce the velocity of the flood because they are built he said a man will be a hiding place from the wind and a cover from the tempest as rivers of water in a dry place as a shadow of a great rock in a weary land that's the man that God wants us to be that's the man that God wants us to be that's the man I want to be hallelujah but how did he get there the word all the scriptures we saw the man planted can we be people planted can we be people planted and the tree is very resourceful there are many many benefits that we cannot even exhaust that we cannot exhaust remember in Genesis chapter 1 when God made the trees seed bearing um, seed bearing um, trees and all of that and there are different types of trees we have the olive from where we get the oil oil the olive oil the anointing oil was, was made from the olive tree oil for cooking oil for lighting do you understand we have we have trees that give sap for perfumes construction medicine yes the fruit of the tree are for the healing of the nations Ezekiel 47 and then Revelation 22 healing of the nations fresh planted by the rivers of water I want us to to trust God that we will be such men there is no reason to compare again with um, Psalm 1 um, verse 4 to 6. The ungodly are not so. The ungodly is like, is like a chaff blown away by the wind. You know what? How many of us have seen, um, what's it called? Rice. You know, it's all, it has this not, not processed rice. The, the, before the process. You know the chaff. When you want to blow it, just inside a tree, you, you carry it. Here we blow it. That's the ungodly. And it does not matter how built, how solid, how prosperous, how grand that guy is in the natural. He's like a chaff. He's standing on nothing. David said, I, when I saw the prosperity of the wicked, I envied it and I almost slipped from my own righteousness until I went into the temple and God opened my eyes to see their end. Flesh, grass. The Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. You are the righteous. Don't live like the wicked. Hallelujah.